You know, sometimes um, I, I worry about how well I know God. Not just about God, but, but really know God. And maybe you've had the same question yourself. And so today we're beginning a nine-week series that we're calling The Godhead. Now, maybe that sounds a little intimidating to you, The Godhead. <clears throat> but it actually is used several times in the New Testament. And what it refers to is the, the essence or the nature of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what we call the Trinity. And it's not as easy to get right as you might think. In fact, the church spent uh, much of the fourth century trying to find a way to understand and to talk about it, mostly because they had aberrations developing like like tritheism, Arianism, and, and modalism, and some other isms I'm sure you've never heard of. And out of that work came several creeds that helped the church to understand the nature of the Godhead. The one you're probably most familiar with is the Nicene Creed. Now, the, why this might sound dry and somewhat academic, knowing the truth about God's nature is really, really Important. In fact, what we've discovered is that, is that belief in the Trinity and in a God who is personal and actively involved in your life is really essential in, in your spiritual growth and maturity and developing your relationship with God. You see, Christianity is a revealed religion, which means that it's based on divine revelation. God chooses to reveal himself uh, to us. Uh, we don't get to make up what we believe about God, although sometimes we try to do that. And that revelation is written down in Scripture. And the ultimate revelation uh, of God is found in the life of Jesus, uh, recorded in the four Gospels and in the letters in the New Testament. And so today we begin our study, the attributes of God, by looking at God our provider. And the first place that we find this directly mentioned is in Genesis 22. God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would be the parents of a nation. And after waiting many years, uh, the dream came true, and Isaac was born. Life is good for this family until chapter 22. And it begins this way. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Now, this is one of the most difficult passages to understand in the Old Testament. It runs counter to all of our instincts. In fact, it, it seems confounding and unbelievable. In Judaism, this story is always read on the Jewish New Year. They call it Akedah, which means the binding referring to the binding of Isaac. Now, it's interesting, this same story is also in the Quran, but it's not Isaac, it is Ishmael who is bound. But for Abraham to follow through on this meant that God's promise to Abraham 
to make him the father of a nation was not going to happen. So was God backing out on his promise? I mean, if there's no Isaac, then there's no Jacob. And if there's no Jacob, there's no Jewish people. How do we understand this? Verse 3 says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Notice there's no delay. The very next morning, Abraham gets up and, and heads for Mount Moriah. I don't know if, if that had been me. I, I it had been days. It would have been weeks before I would have gotten up that courage. Now, Mount Moriah is about 45 miles north of Beersheba, where Abraham and Sarah are living. So it's a good three-day journey. And it's also where the city of Jerusalem would be. More specifically, it's where the temple was built by Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1 says that Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. What also I find astounding is there's no complaining from Abraham. Now we don't know what he was thinking, we don't know what he was feeling. But surely he must have been thinking to himself, did I hear right from God? Maybe I misunderstood. This just makes no sense to me at all. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up, said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, well, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, we're not told how old Isaac is here. Usually, we think of him as being a, just a boy, five or six, seven years of age, but Jewish scholars think that he was uh, 37. Since Sarah dies in the very next chapter the, at the age of 127, and she had him at the age of 90, therefore they, they, they say, well, he must have been 37. But whatever the case, he, he was probably an adult. And he asked his father the question, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replied, God himself will provide. Now, this is a pivotal phrase here. In Hebrew, it is Jehovah Jireh, and it means literally, God sees to it. And in this story, we're given some very important information about the essence and the nature of the Godhead, and it's this, that God is our provider. Now, Abraham doesn't know. He doesn't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, how can he be the father of a nation and sacrifice his only heir? But he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will. 
And so the writer of Hebrews sheds some light on this. In chapter 11, he writes this, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. God would provide. God would provide the sacrifice. You can bet your life on it. When my kids were little, uh, they used to come to me and ask for money. And if you had kids, they probably did the same thing. And they'd ask for money to buy me my Christmas present. And I gladly did it. God is doing the same thing here in this amazing story. God gives Abraham the sacrifice to give back to him. God provides. God sees to it. Doesn't say God will give us all the toys. Doesn't say God will give us all the goodies. But God provides. It is his very nature. It is his very essence. It is the very heart of God to provide. Jehovah Jireh. And the thing is, it's not just for you or me. It's for all of creation. Psalm 147 says he covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. God even provides for the hungry crow. And we call this God's providence. Uh, I pastored in a farming community for 11 years. And having a good growing season was really important, uh, not just to the farmers, but to everyone. Because if there was a bad crop that year, then church budget was we had to cut the church budget back. And then we had to let some people off, so it was really important. And my very first year there in 1988, they, they had a terrible drought, and it was the middle of June, and, and the corn and the beans were already brown and dry. And so I got up one morning, and I went down to the local coffee shop. In, in rural communities, there's always a coffee shop where the, the farmers gather to complain before they go out to take care of the day. And so I went. And one of, the, one of the guys, one of the farmers says, you know, if it doesn't rain the next 10 days, we're going to be in serious trouble. But then another farmer piped up. In fact, he was a member of my congregation. He said, he said yep, it said, but it's all for a purpose. And I just wondered out loud, probably should have kept my mouth shut, but I said, well, is it? I mean, what purpose could it possibly serve to have a drought? And then he said to me, he said, do you believe that God's in control of the universe? Well, I'm the pastor. I'm the one who's supposed to be asking those questions. And I said kind of meekly, well, yeah, yeah, I guess I do. He said, do you believe God can make it rain? I said, yeah, sure. But then wondered to myself, but will he do it? And will he do it in time? And I went back to my office and I thought, you know, Mark, i got to get this together. i got to do some hard thinking about what I believe about Jehovah Jireh. 
Do I believe in the protective care of God? Do I believe that God guides and, and directs the universe? Do I believe that God is involved in the affairs of humankind? Because it's a really important question. We have to wrestle with this, especially for the new believer, the new person of faith who is just starting down that, that journey. Because no sooner than we confidently start down that road than what happens? We encounter potholes, don't we? We, we run into detours or, or roadblocks. For a lot of us, the, very, the, the, the first great surprise of the Christian life comes in the form of troubles. And sometimes it's not what we expected. You know, we thought that, that once we said yes to, to Jesus, that everything was going to go swell, you know? Paradise, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, Eden. And then we're rudely awakened to something very different. The movie Signs deals with this issue. It's about a, a, a pastor, Graham Hess, who loses his wife in a tragic car accident and he stops believing in God. In the meantime, aliens start showing up on his farm and then there's spaceships hovering over in the sky and his younger brother Merrill and he are, are, are watching all this on TV and, 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 and Merrill is scared to death and finally he says to his older brother, he says, he says, Graham, do you think this is the end of the world? He's looking for some encouragement. He's looking for some hope from his older brother and his brother says, yes, I think it's the end of the world. As you can imagine, this upsets Merrill, and so Graham says to him, look, there's two groups of people. The first group thinks that when something lucky happens to them, it's a sign that somebody's up there watching over them, and they see it as a miracle, and, and whenever it happens, good or bad, that there's someone up there who will help, and that gives them hope. He says the second group sees these things as purely luck, chance, coincidence, and they believe they're on their own. And whatever happens, good or bad, they know they are on their own, and that fills them with fear. And he turns to his brother and he says, so you have to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? Do you believe in signs that there's no coincidence? Or do you believe that people just get lucky? You see, Graham cannot believe there's anyone watching over him because of the death of his wife. But then through a series of events and, and miracles, all the pieces began to come together, and there is someone watching over him, and his faith is finally restored to Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So what we discover is that Christians travel the same ground, that everybody else walks on. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water. We belong to the same country. We read the same newspapers. We pay the same prices for groceries. We fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures. We get the same illnesses, and we are, in the end, buried in the same ground as everybody else. But the difference is, is that each step we walk, each breath that we breathe, we know that we're preserved by God we know we are ruled and governed by God, and therefore, no matter what doubts we endure, no matter what accidents we have, the Lord is with us, and he will get us through it. See, all the waters in the ocean cannot sink a ship unless the water gets inside. 
And all, nor can all the troubles in the world harm us unless it gets within us. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 these words, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can bet your life on it. Nothing can separate you from God's love. There's nothing that can happen to you. There's no place that you can go and not find God already there. God has been in your past. God is now in your present. And God will be with you in the future. He's in your good times and he's in your bad times. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. But that's not all. In Matthew 7, we we hear these remarkable words from Jesus. He says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. (laughs) Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And we know because it rests on the promise of Jesus himself. And so if we can believe Jesus' word, if we can believe his promise, if we can believe his, his word, we know that he hears us. It's a fact. Yeah, we have to ask to receive. We have to seek to find. We have to knock for the door to be open. But Jesus is teaching us to be specific in prayer. Now, he's not telling us that God will give us what, everything that we ask for. I've said this before, but if God gave me everything that I asked for as a child, I never would have lived to adulthood. Too many perils out there. But he wants us to ask with a holy confidence. He wants us to be transparent and to unveil our hearts before him. Yeah, we're going to get our needs and our, and our wants mixed up, but he'll teach us how to make that distinction You and I, we just need that simple, confident faith that God wants us to ask, that he hears us, and that he's there to help. So what are you facing right now in your life? Maybe uh, you've lost your job recently, or or maybe you're suffering from anxiety, depression. Maybe bills have raided your bank account, and and it's, it's empty. Or maybe an illness hovers in your life like a threatening storm. God knows before we even ask. And not only that, he's concerned about every aspect of your life. We're not praying to the cosmos, my friends. We're not praying to the man upstairs. We're not praying to this far-off, distant deity. We're praying to your Father in heaven. And he loves you and he cares about you. And nothing's too difficult for him. And he's bigger than any problem that you have. Because he's Jehovah Jireh. That's not all. In Peter's second epistle, he writes these words. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you hear what he wrote? His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything that we need to to live for God, he's already given us. You know, I I want more than anything else to live that godly life. A a good part of my prayer life is asking for that. 
And when I fail and when I, when I mess up, I can tell you that reaching perfection seems out of reach. <laughs> it seems very discouraging. It feels like failure. But when I read this verse last week in, in preparation for this sermon, I, I must have read this verse a hundred times in, in my years as, as a pastor. But when I read this, there was like an aha moment. Ever happened to you? You've read some Bible verse a, a thousand times and, and then suddenly you read it again. And it's like, I, didn't, I don't remember this ever being here. It was like that for me. And I went back and I read those words again. Has been given. Not will be given, not maybe will be given, not will be given when I, when I die and go to heaven, but has been given. And so everything I need has already been given me. God is, has and is doing that, that work of, of sanctification in me. Sure, I have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I need to exercise self-control and discipline. But the good news is it's not dependent upon me. My biggest part is to simply believe that he will do it, that God is doing a good work in me, and, and that I'll get there. Maybe not as fast as I want, but I'll get there because of Jehovah Jireh. God provides. Well, let's wrap up by going back to our story of Abraham and Isaac. You know how the story ends. There Abraham is over his son Isaac who has been bound, a knife in his hand, and suddenly he hears God's voice. Abraham. And Abraham looks over there and there's the a lamb that's already been provided. Somehow he, he hadn't seen it before, but, but there it is. God provided. God provided the ram for Abraham to give back to God for the sacrifice. And I don't think it's an accident that God sent Abraham to Mount Moriah because a thousand years later, Solomon would build that temple on that very spot where sacrifices would be offered. But not only that, a thousand years after Solomon, the Lamb of God would lay down his life as an offering for you and I in that very same city of Jerusalem would be crucified for us. So it seems that Jehovah Jireh not only provided the Lamb for Isaac, but he provided the Lamb for you and for me. And when we gather here together as the people of God, whether we're here in the sanctuary or whether we're at home, we celebrate this truth. What the bread represents, the, shed, the, the broken body of Christ, the wine, the shed blood of Christ for us. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God who is near. You're with us in our past, our present, and our future. You know all things. And you know, even at this moment, God, what we're going through. And you care about us and you love us. Thank you, God, that you are a God who sees to it. 
You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Help us, we pray today, to trust that truth. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.